0: Hello! Ako po si Kat Ventura, Puma Podcast. You're listening to Teka Teka News. Balitang thinking, hindi breaking. In today's episode... So we are here in undisclosed location where the van is located. And yung van, sobrang laki niya. Tabi siya ng FX. And uh, FX is tiny. It's covered in a blue-green tarpaulin, and it smells like rugby in here. <laughs> we like take you to, and inside, the Absecom van which was used to transport the body of Nino Yaquino after he was shot on the tarmac of the Manila International Airport 39 years ago. In August 2022, the Teka News team joined the producer and hosts of Puma Podcast history pod, WhatsApp, on a field trip. It was to an undisclosed location where the Human Rights Violations Victims Memorial Commission, or HRVVMC, has kept an artifact that is intended to be a centerpiece at a planned Freedom Memorial Museum. So, we've, we've left the Panay office. Now we're on the way to an undisclosed location. <laughs> 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 you see where the Absecom van is. We're meeting up with our team who's already there. and WhatsApp producers and hosts. Okay. So, good thing it's not raining. Okay. It's really sunny. We're going to to so nung sinabi nilang nasa loob kayo Nasa loob po pala kayo ng van nasa opisina No, we were
1: in the van In fact, I was so excited I said, I'll fix the machine I'll fix the, the tires And I'll drive this van around And go across the country with this As the main uh, The center And from here, I'll open this And then bring out the museum artifacts uh, The one who stopped me was NHCP. don't ever dream of doing that Said, why? What if you're hit by a trailer truck? And that would have destroyed the article.
0: That was HRVVMC Executive Director Chuck Cresanto. The AVSICOM van, AVSICOM stands for the Aviation Security Command, was donated to the National Historical Commission back in 2017. Nino Yaquino was assassinated on August 21, 1983. He was the leader of the opposition to Ferdinand Marcos Sr., one of the staunchest critics of the late dictator. Aquino had been in exile in the U.S. for three years. In 1983, against the advice and warnings of his allies, and even by his contacts inside the Marcos government, Ninoy insisted on coming home to Manila. Many feared for his life, and there were insiders who told him he would likely be rearrested immediately if not assassinated. But Ninoy felt the opposition needed its leader.
1: I am returning to the Philippines because my country is now in crisis. We are in terrible economic crisis and maybe soon we'll be having a political crisis. I have been away for three years in exile and uh, the time has come, I think, for me to return so that I can help reorganize the opposition in my country.
0: Past 1 p.m. of August 21, The airplane carrying Aquino arrived at the Manila International Airport. He was traveling under a fake passport with a fake name, Marshal Bonifacio. But there was really no secret to his return. International reporters joined him from Taiwan on the final leg of his journey from the US. And in Taipei, they could sense that the Philippine government had already asked Taiwan to facilitate his safe passage. (laughs) At the Manila International Airport, hundreds of supporters had already massed since the morning. Outside and all over Metro Manila, supporters had tied yellow ribbons on trees, lampposts, gates. The song Tie a Yellow Ribbon, about a soldier returning from war, unsure if his love would want him back, wafted from a few radio stations. At the Manila International Airport, Ninoy was escorted by soldiers from his seat. The short moments of soldiers leading him out of the plane and directly downstairs straight to the tarmac are captured on chaotic, shaky video. A number of confusing audio. Shots are heard. People are shouting and crying. In the confusion and chaos, videos captured panicked faces, people scrambling for any window with a view, but there is no actual shot of the final seconds of Ninoy until photos miraculously snapped by the photojournalist Recto Mercene show Aquino lying face down on the tarmac. There is another man beside him. The two of them are surrounded by Avsecom agents. Their guns drawn and aimed all around them. Mercene's photos snap still images of Ninoy and the other man's bodies being awkwardly loaded onto the avsecom van. The other man would later be identified as Rolando Galman. Supposedly, he was Aquino's lone assassin. How he got past the military and avsecom security, nobody could explain. And official stories would later be rejected and debunked by independent investigations. But this episode is not about Galman. It's not even about Ninoy himself. If you want to know more about Ninoy's fateful journey home, Siege Tantenko and Sab Schnabel have an entire WhatsApp episode on that. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for WhatsApp and the title is The Ninoy Aquino Spy Thriller. This episode is about the lonely and untold journey of the van itself. The van itself has secrets it holds and many tales to tell.
1: The story of how that obstacle uh, was taken in is is a very nice story all by itself. After Ninoy died, the last exhibition of that was in 1984, was parked. After that, nawala and it was in a junkyard. There was one military officer who was nearing his retirement, knew the importance of that and spent money. And he said, when I retire, I'll spend some of my pension. Restore. In fact, he spent for it already, just buying it in an auction from the junkyard.
0: The Avsecom van was bought by former Air Force Colonel Marlon Marasigan. After Marasigan passed away, his wife donated the van to the NHCP.
1: Unfortunately, he got cancer. So all of his money was spent on, on his health. And the story goes as he was going to die, told his wife. So for Ito yung mga papaman ko sa'yo. Of course, the wife. The junk! <laughs> and it stayed there, you know, junk lang. Yeah. Until he had only one line in his last wheel. Hopefully, you'll find someone who will take care of this.
0: The original intention was to display the van at the Presidential Car Museum in Quezon City. But the NHCP, instead, thought it fitting to display the van at the Freedom Memorial Museum. Since the NHCP acquired the van, little has been done to preserve, much less restore it. So you found it in, ano na, medyo dilapidated na siya. Well,
1: it's not major dilapidated, awesome. they used it as target practice. Wow. Goldproof <laughs> ako, And they vandalized
0: <laughs> it. Vandalized. Under the tarpaulin that covered it, we saw the Avsicom's fading chipping blue. Its logo still recognizable on the side. Its rubber tires were hopelessly cracked and the rims of its wheels heavily rusted. It was one o'clock in the afternoon when we entered the van, roughly two weeks before the 39th anniversary of Ninoy's assassination. And it is this time of the day this van would already have been in place at the airport, idling near the plane that carried the former senator. We imagine this could have been air-conditioned for its passenger soldiers and then for the bodies of Ninoy and Rolando Galman. But on this field trip, nearly, exactly 39 years later, all of us were cooking inside that hold. There were very small windows, which were sealed shut and shot at by people who previously used the van for target practice. There was hardly any ventilation while the sun beat down on the vehicle. Presh and I are standing inside the van and ito, it's hitting our... Actually, we can touch the We can touch the So we're inside the van, we're looking at the windows full of bullets. Vandalized with paint. The windshield had been vandalized. May nagpinta ng pokpok at tae. Chuck says there were more graffiti inside by the time they got hold of it, but all that had already been painted over by his team. There were no seats inside, pero may dalawang bangko where Sir Chuck and the WhatsApp team settled to talk. But one thing I noticed was this big hole near and just above the door where a sunroof might have been. That too was covered with a tarp because when it rained, Chuck says, the water would get in.
1: Actually getting in touch with a former armored car restorer, it's going two weeks, we would have a, an agreement. I'll just fix actually the roof and get the wheels moving because uh, so that I can pull it.
0: pull it. Shortly after Ninoy and his supposed assassin, Rolando Galman, were killed that Sunday afternoon, Marcos held a news conference saying that his government had no hand in Aquino's death. They called it, quote, a rub-out, by communists who wanted to embarrass his regime. Here's Marcos at that press conference.
1: The killing might have been, might have received the blessings of the NPA or the communist
0: hierarchy. A fact-finding board led by then-Chief Justice Enrique Fernando was created by Marcos. But after several hearings and ocular inspections, all five members resigned due to widespread questioning of their impartiality. A new fact-finding board was created, led by retired Appellate Court Justice Corazon Agrava. This became known as the Agrava Commission. After almost a year into its probe, the Agrava board submitted its reports to Marcos in October 1984. The five-member panel was unanimous in rejecting the version blaming Galman for Aquino's murder. They concluded instead that the assassination was the result of a military conspiracy. The majority report, which represented the opinion of four board members, Luciano Salazar, Dante Santos, Ernesto Herrera, and Amando Dizon, accused 26 people, including then Armed Forces Chief General Fabian Ver, and two other military generals, of plotting and killing Aquino. Agrava, meanwhile submitted her own report she stopped short of implicating general verre
1: bugbog dito if you were shot here but kami bugbog dito mm-hmm. kasi nung tinapon siya sa van yung face niya pag yun ang nangyari yun ang nangyari doon
0: the agrava report also said that the gun that killed ninoy was definitely not a 357 magnum the same type of pistol that was supposedly found on Galman. Instead, two fragments from the actual bullet that killed Ninoy suggest that the murder weapon was either a 38 or a 45 caliber pistol. I stood upright inside the van. Maliit lang naman kasi ako, but an average-sized soldier could stand at attention here as well. I looked at the floor. It was this discolored metal, with dirt and stains all over. Somewhere, somehow, by my feet, I imagined Nino Aquino bleeding to death, if not in fact already dead. Galman, some analysts said, was likely already dead even before Ninoy was escorted from the plane.
1: I wanted to, and, and they say, there is still equipment. Uh, if I put it inside the van, it can actually detect if there was human blood in the van. I, I talked with a tech guy from France. He's into this business of exhumation of graves. I'm yeah, sir, there is something like this. I do want to do that. Of course, I do remember that a cat also died inside <laughs> that van. <laughs> so what he said, the, the technology now can distinguish animal blood from human blood. If I'm able to get that and we're able to detect that there is human blood. Wow, what an artifact. Yeah. What an artifact. Yeah.
0: This is not just some text you can read. Some picture you can look at. More than an item you can hold. This is a place you can visit. You can stand right here and see the reality of all it holds. Chuck points out that there is a lot to build that museum to further institutionalize the harsh, brutal legacy of the Marcos dictatorship. There is much to capture, like the Absecom van, so much to rescue if we could.
1: I'm also in search of the tank where people pushed along EDSA and if I'm able to get it from the AFP already, I'll park it outside and there's where you can push and have a selfie.
0: But nothing is guaranteed, not even with the laws to preserve memory in place, because even laws are vulnerable in the Philippines.
1: I do recognize that the sitting president has the supermajority in both houses, and if they change the law, that would be the will of uh, Congress. But these laws can have certain signals from the president himself. And that signal, I've been trying to sit down for the last two months after his uh, election, if he would be gracious enough to give me five minutes of his time so that I can say, sir, this is uh, my position, this is what I'm doing, this is the law, and this is what we're we're about to do. Uh, My question is, what do you think? I don't know what he. thinks.
0: Whatever it is, Chuck hopes that someday soon, this van will be fixed up enough for the public to view and visit so that it can host people like us, people like you, who will bother to visit and bother to ask.
1: If I get the kids hold the sign of the Absecom van, I think it will uh, be something that may change them.
0: The experience certainly changed me. Or at least, it inspired all of us during that field trip to ask, what secrets does this van hold? What stories may it still tell? Will it all remain hidden under a tarp, as lost and as inconsequential as a dead cat in a junkyard? How much of our history do we know, and yet do not know? And that was today's episode of Teca News. Again, I'm Kat Ventura, the executive producer of Tecateca. Teca. This episode was produced by me and edited by Robbie Alampay. The audio editor is Joe Salcedo. If you like today's episode, share it with a friend or two and follow Tecateca Teca and Moa podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. Again, if you'd like to learn more about the Aquino assassination, look for the WhatsApp episode called The Ninoy Aquino Spy Thriller. At saka, kui. Now that the world is starting to open up, we are also thinking we'd like to do more of these field trips. Maka suggestion kayo magandang bisitahin at gawa ng podcast. Email us at teka at pumapodcast.com. We are excited to build our community with you and if you want to stay in the loop, please go to pumapodcast.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Maraming salamat po.